We are in uh, this sermon series called uh, Campfire Stories. It's stories that uh, you could tell around the campfire. Uh, today we are going to look at Deborah uh, in the book of Judges. We find her story in Judges 4 and 5. 4 is the narration. 5 is the song. Uh, next, just what we got planned uh, in worship is what the, the Christian calendar is. Next week is Christ the King Sunday, and we're going to celebrate Jesus on the throne uh, next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, believe it or not, Rush is Advent. And uh, we have a Sunday school class. There will be a, a tree that will be put over here on that, uh, on that up on uh, November the 28th. Thank you uh, to that Sunday school class who does that. Uh, and we have a uh, Advent uh, daily reading book if you're interested in this. And so this is a way for you to be in the Word uh, uh, in community uh, as we would read the same scripture each day. And if you'd like a copy of that, uh, if you could contact Endora in our front office uh, before Wednesday, that would, that would be awesome. Uh, follow this main character timeline with me. Genesis, we have Adam and Eve. Then we have Noah. Then we have Abraham. Then we have Moses. And then we have Joshua. When we turn the page from the book of Joshua to Judges, Joshua is dead. The people fail to take total possession of the promised land. And scripture says that they didn't drive out the nations who had iron chariots. We discovered two weeks ago that this driving out the people really wasn't about the elimination of people as it was about the elimination of the worship of other gods. That intermarrying among the nations brought other gods into the picture and prominence. And we saw with Jezebel that that got the nation in trouble. Yahweh is Lord and the other gods are not. Uh, today I'm going to use uh, the name Yahweh uh, and God interchangeably. Uh, most translations have Lord, and especially in the Old Testament, Lord capitalized in all caps. And so that indicates God's name given to Moses. Uh, there would be about an hour lesson on Rush where you put the vowel points and whether or not it's Adonai or Yahweh. I'm going to use uh, Yahweh uh, today, or Jehovah. I want to use uh, uh, Yahweh today. Uh, one view of this is temporal, that people who worship other gods... And their worship include gruesome acts. The worship of those other gods were, be, were to be driven out. The other view is cosmic. Gods are battling for the hearts of humans. And scripture speaks of these gods as the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil. The people forgot what Yahweh had done for Israel. Have you ever forgot what God has done for you? When we forget what God has done for us, particularly what God has done in Jesus Christ by Jesus going to the cross and dying for our sins, when we forget that, we find ourselves in a similar position that Israel found themselves. Judges 2, 10 through 15 reads this way. After that generation died... Another generation grew up who did not acknowledge Yahweh or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in Yahweh's sight and served the images of Baal. 
They abandoned Yahweh, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered Yahweh. They abandoned Yahweh to serve Baal and the image of Ashtoreth. This made Yahweh burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they no longer were able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, Yahweh fought against them, causing them to be defeated just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. So this is where we find the nation, the nation of Israel, in great distress by their own hand, prostituting themselves by worshiping other gods. Yes, that word is in Judges 2.17. It's a very strong word about covenant breaking. There were moments of turnaround. Yahweh would raise up a judge. He would rescue the people. The people would do differently, and there was peace. And when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways. Yahweh raises up Othanel and Ehud and Shamgar, and each used by Yahweh to deliver Israel and the oppressors, and the nation experienced peace. So this brings us to our scripture reading of the day, uh, to the introduction of an unlikely judge around the years 1125 to 1050 B.C. You can find our scripture reading in, uh, printed in our bulletin today, uh, Judges 4, uh, 1 through 5. So I invite you to turn your eyes there or to open into your, the Bible that you brought with you today. After Ehud's death, the Israelites did, again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Heroseth, Hagoyim. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Labadoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. That is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God. 900 chariots of iron. That's a significant number. That's a military machine. The people oppressed cried out, Yahweh hears and responds. This is the pattern. There's a defection. A, ra a leader is raised up. There's deliverance by that leader relying upon God. Deborah, a prophet, was judging Israel at the time. Through her, God calls Barak to assemble an army to battle Sisera. Barak says he will go, but only if she would go with her. Do you know anybody named Barak? Do you know anybody named Deborah? I bet you do. 
It's very extraordinary to find in this time, in this place, the, the leadership of a female in a very man's world. It was very rare for a female to carry the responsibility of battle. This speaks to her many gifts. Many, great, many, a, a prophetess having insight and perspective far beyond the average. An awareness and a sensitivity that made her able to be aware of the leading of God's Spirit. As a follower of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, this is available for you as well. Don't sell yourself short. Don't limit the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit available to you. That was the same power and presence of, the God, of God's Spirit available to Deborah. All his gifts. Pray for all his gifts to swell up in you and use your spiritual giftedness. That was a side note. As a judge, Deborah would sit under a palm tree that came to bear her name. She weighed the disputes that were brought to her, and she gave decisions. Yet she was destined for the arena of public affairs and military exploits with a sense of justice. A military historian applauds the location of the battle, Mount Tabor, a commanding position to observe the Jezreel Plain, heavily Forested slopes offered concealment, and a downhill attack provides momentum. Heavy chariots became stuck in the mud and were unable to move, and soon they were overwhelmed by the Israelites' infantry. Sisera abandoned his chariot, and he ran away on foot, and he arrived at a tent where he meets his demise at the hand of Jael. You can read about that this afternoon. Deborah and Barak outgeneraled Sesra, and he died in an unusual way. With the oppressor dead and, and a song of battle and victory in Judge 5, it ends with this. Yahweh, may all your enemies die like Sisera, but may those who love you rise like the sun and all its power. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years. The next line of scripture continues the story. It says this, the Israelites did evil in Yahweh's sight. So Yahweh handed them over. We see this pattern. Defection. A leader is raised up, deliverance by that leader relying upon God. And throughout the story of Judges and into to Samuel and into Kings, we see this continual, the people are faithless, but God, Yahweh is faithful. Yahweh has this covenant faithfulness. The Hebrew word is hesed, and, and those that have taken Epic of Eden have heard this word. It's a word that's about loyalty that comes from blood. It's translated love, loving kindness, mercy, faithfulness. Psalms 136 uses this word over and over to celebrate Yahweh's covenant faithfulness. And throughout Scripture, we see that the people are not faithful. That they broke covenant. That they did not hold up their end. And scripture uses very frank, 
strong vulgar term in terms that indicates marriage infidelity, a cheating spouse with a woman of the night. Their story is our story. God is faithful, and we are not. As broken people, God in grace provides what is needed for our rescue. The social disorder and moral degradation reveals the desperate need for good governance. And it points the people to a demanding king. And the best king that Israel had, King David, he was great. But he couldn't heal the people of their sin and their rebellion. It would take the ultimate king to change hearts. And God loved you and me so much that in love he gave his son who lived a life that we cannot live and died a death that we would spend eternity dying. Jesus died for your sin and my sin, your mess and my mess, your waywardness and my waywardness, your pain and my pain were on his back on the cross. And he got up from the grave and he is alive and well and he is standing at the gates of the kingdom and he is saying, come whosoever will and when you go through a storm he is there and he is enough when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death he is there and he is enough when you are on the mountaintop of life and everything is good he is there and he is enough you are already loved you are already chosen he knows you he calls you by your name he calls you his beloved he is enough he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor. How much more will he clothe you? He watches over the sparrow. How much more will he watch over you? More than you can ask. More than you can think. More than you can imagine. His power working in you is enough. Jesus is enough. In every circumstance. In every high and every low. Jesus is enough. And he calls you to follow him. Let him disciple you. There is no problem. For which the ultimate solution is discipleship to Jesus. We do discipleship in community, not absent from community. We do discipleship with others, not absent for others. We do discipleship in circles and on couches, not in rows and in pews. And the truth is this, that you are being discipled by something or someone. Every time we turn on the TV... We're being discipled. CNN, Fox News, NBC, Newsmax. I'd read the whole list of them, but I think I got balance right there. Seeks to disciple you. Disney, Paramount, HBO, Netflix seeks to disciple you. When you read the news, you are being discipled. The world is seeking to disciple us and lead us to set up false gods in our lives. And it's a battle for your heart through your mind. They tell you what to sacrifice for and what to pursue. We are told how to, what boundaries to set and how far to go. We are told what va our value should be. We are told what our identity should be. You are being discipled by something or someone. Something or someone has captured your heart, captured your attention, captured your mind. And there's a fine line between us knowing what's going on 
and being entertained and being discipled by something or someone other than Jesus. We hear them, but we listen to Jesus. The culture of this present darkness wants to disciple you. Jesus wants to disciple you, and you have to make the choice to spend the time and to give your heart. You may not have an altar to Baal or Azrath pole at your house, and if you do, you need to go tear it down today. Matter of fact, just get up now and go take it down. But your heart, your heart might be captured by something or someone else other than Jesus, and you're being discipled by it. It's got your attention. It's got your mind. It's got your heart. Name it. What is it? What has captured your heart? Yahweh is a jealous God. And He is jealous for your heart because He loves you. His love for you is all-consuming. He loves you too much to share you with another. His zeal for you is all-consuming. His passion is burning, immense, powerful. There is no room for anyone or anything else but Himself. He loves you too much. This is why Scripture uses words of marriage, covenant-breaking, and a cheating spouse to describe our waywardness. He isn't happy to be one of many gods to occupy our hearts and, and allow us to disciple us. He, he makes it clear that we are to love Him with heart, soul, mind, and strength, that there should be no other gods before Him. There is no cohabitation, and there is no open marriage relation, covenant relationship with Jesus. You are being discipled by someone or something else. It could be a fake Jesus, a, a fake Savior, a fake Lord, a fake sustainer, a fake provider, a fake healer. And the more that I found myself on social media, the more I found myself being played and discipled by something other than Jesus. This week, the Lord gave me a vision of my social media addiction. Hi, I'm Lee. I'm addicted to social media. And this vision that the Lord gave me uh, that I was being discipled by meta algorithms. And if you've seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma, you know what I'm talking about. And the vision was this me as a heroin addict shooting up for my next fix with social media. I just read 2 Kings 22 and 23 when King Josiah goes throughout the land and he tells, tears down the Baal altars and the Asherah poles. And Tuesday at 11.45 a.m., I took all social media apps off my phone. I'm going to miss your pictures. I'm going to miss your recipes. I'm going to miss the dialogue on, on, on the smoker group I was on about how to smoke the perfect Thanksgiving turkey. But I'm not going to miss being played and being discipled by something or someone else other than Jesus. The biblical account of Judges is clear that God did some amazing things that brought victory. And there were some uncommon weapons. An ox goad, a tent peg and hammer, trumpets and jars and torches and thorns and briars and upper millstone, bare hands, the jaw flesh, bone of a donkey. That was one of my favorite stories as a child. Slingshots. A far cry from the weapons that the armies of Is the Israelites faced. 
Friends, our battle is not against flesh and blood, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, but it's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. And our weapon, our weapon called the sword, is the Word of God. And praying at all times with prayer and supplication for all the saints. We rely on the peculiar strength of the word and praise and prayer. Make sure you're here next Sunday. In the meantime, spend time in the word and praise and prayer. We're being discipled by something or someone. Choose Jesus. Christ our Lord invites to a table all who love him, who seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. I invite you to turn with me to page 891 in our hymnal for our, it's number 891, it's not actually a page, number 891 in our hymnal for our prayer of confession. Almighty and most merciful God, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offered offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promise declared in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful God, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Take a few moments and... Confess your individual waywardness to the Lord. For some in this room, you have been struggling with the same thing for years. It's your it. It has plagued you. You feel ashamed because of it. You want to be set free, but it has a grip on you that you yourself cannot break. There is power in the name of Jesus to break the chains that have you bound. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another so that you will be healed. 
and you are yearning for that healing, and yet you are ashamed. Find a friend, a confidant, someone that you can share your it with. Bring it out of darkness and into light so that it can be dealt with. Know that you can be set free. Holy Spirit, bring to our mind, name, and faces of those that we need to forgive. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and for, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.